Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. Our Sunday live stream starts at 10 a.m. at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. Thanks for tuning in. are awesome. You really are. I I love being here with you guys so much. So good. Taylor, you're not fired. That was a great job. I, I mean, when, when the announcements and the stuff that happens in between before the message is that good, how do you follow that up, you know? Uh, I love that. And I, I'm, I'm so blessed by our worship team, too. You guys did a great job today. You know, I'm going to just say, I have been around for a while, a few years, uh, you know, and I've, there's worship teams out there that are technically, musically, like, really, really, really good. They're really good. But when it comes to, like, entering into God's presence, sometimes they're lacking a little. It's more like a performance. And then there's other <laughs> worship teams I've heard that really get you engaged with God, but the quality is <laughs> lacking a little bit. And I love it that uh, you guys do such a great job on both sides of that. You're so good, talented, and so thank you. It was really good today. Uh, You know, and I needed this this morning. It's been a... uh... (gasps) (laughs) And that was the other thing, is our our young congregants were all involved in worship today. I love that. That was good. yeah, it's been a difficult for me week a little bit. I don't know about you guys. Uh, I, I at times can get discouraged uh, when I hear about stuff happening in the uh, church at large, not in our church per se, but in the greater church. When you hear about scandals, things happening, corruption, you know, another mega pastor has a, you know, fall from whatever or a you know, embezzles money from the church. You hear stuff like that. It just is, it wears you out. I, I did, I, I, uh, got word this week about a friend of mine, somebody I've known for a long, long, I know him their whole life, actually, uh, worship leader in the vineyard who just, you know, messed their life up and, uh, took a few people with them and just breaks my heart. It's, it's always, uh, it's a tough thing, and I have to remind myself at times like that. I mean, again, it's good to come together with you guys because I'm reminded that church uh, Christianity uh, per se is not an institution. It's not a set of beliefs or philosophy system. It's not uh, any of that. What it really is, is is it's a relationship. It's a living, breathing relationship with Jesus that brings us into his presence and, and brings life and new life into us continually. Uh, you know, and, and I need to be reminded of that. And I also need to be reminded of this, that like any relationship, uh, it's two-sided. And, uh, you know, I think of 
the story of the prodigal son, and Jesus will come a long way to meet us. He'll really come out to meet you. But the truth is that we have a responsibility to meet him as well. Um, there, there, there is a component of, of us being willing to connect with God and to receive from him and, and to make, uh, take, take at least that one step. Uh, so, so we have to be reminded of those things, that, that we have a responsibility in, in this too. Um, last week, we're, we're in Ephesians 4, if you haven't been with us. Uh, last week we said that um, in Christ we receive a, a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit. It's really a whole new you. And, uh, and, and, and so today, uh, we follow that up a little bit. Paul gives us a list of behaviors. Uh, and these are uh, things that, one, first of all, we have to take this all in context because what he's not saying is this makes you a Christian. Doing these things makes you a Christian. We, we understand that the, it's, it's faith in God. It's the grace of God and our reception of that grace that makes us a Christian. But what he is saying is that if there's a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit, if you're a new creation in Christ, this is what it looks like. And the realization is so strong to me this week that, that there is a responsibility, there, there is a, a response back to God that we come to and say, uh, this is what it looks like to be in him. So our, our title today is Vital Signs, if you want to go to the next slide. So just like when you go to the doctor, if you, as you get a little older especially, they, they check all the signs. And how's your, how's your heart rate? How's your blood pressure? How's your cholesterol? I hate that one. Um, <laughs> you know, but just to see how you're doing. So this list from Paul is really kind of a, a similar thing. It's, a, it's, it's, it's sort of an inventory of how are we doing? Where are we? And again, I don't like to... This kind of message is a little hard for me sometimes because I don't, I don't like to put that on people. I like to, you know, you got to do this, got to do that. But at the same time, I, I was aware this week in just reflection that there is a response and there are things on our part. So, uh, you know, with that, let's, let's pray and then we'll, we'll jump in. We're in Ephesians 4 and I think we begin at verse 25 today. But first, Lord, just uh, open our hearts to receive from you today and allow us the grace to really take inventory this morning and, and evaluate each of us in our own right, where we are with you. How are we doing? Are, 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 are our vital signs okay, Lord? Are we uh, really walking out and living out some of the things that are reflective of a relationship with you? Your name we pray, amen. So verse, verse 25, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. It's not always easy to do that, is it? Because it requires a, a measure of vulnerability on our part. There's some risk involved in, in being honest and open with others, with anybody. There's the reminder here that we're all members of one body. And it's because of that, it's because we have that connection that we're able to take that risk and be vulnerable and be honest and really open up with one another. If we didn't have that, I think it would be very much like, you know, other places in life where you're a little standoffish and, and you, you don't have uh, the security and the safety to feel like it's okay. Here's where I'm really at. That very premise was the sort of model for church life in the early days of the vineyard. Um, we had weekly small groups, 
And again, this was in Southern California in the 1970s. And at that time, uh, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa was the, you know, most prominent and dominant church in the area. And they were very, very focused there on Bible study. Uh, and, and, and frankly, spirituality was measured by how many Bible studies a week you went to and how many scriptures you could quote and things like that. And I'm not saying that any of those things are, are bad or wrong, but, but I'm saying that we took a little bit different approach and that our weekly groups were not Bible studies where you went and everybody listened to one person talk. We called them kinship groups, and they were opportunities where that connection that we have in the, in the body was put into place, and everyone had opportunity to share with one another kind of what was happening in their lives. It was very different at the time, and, it, and, and really something really profound happened out of that, and that is that people got better. People started to get healed of past hurts in their lives and, and, and of a, abandonment and violations against them and, and abuse and brokenness. And I remember in, in groups that I was part of or that we led, Don and I, led, we led a home group for nine years in our house when our kids were little. And just story after story, person after person that would come and their, their life would just be broken in so many ways. And over time, just being in that little group and, and, and being vulnerable and opening up and sharing, and God would bring healing to them. You know, and, we, and in, in that context, we did pray for each other, and it was powerful when we prayed for each other, but the prayer was precipitated by that openness. And I just think that's a word for us, and it's important to, to keep our eyes on. Look at verse 26. He continues and says, and your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Uh, that's another powerful verse. Um, and again, I think sometimes uh, the, the good Christian response is that I'm never angry. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm always happy and, and, and I'm always smiling and I'm perfect all the time. And, and there can at times, I think, in, in, in some circles, be sort of this pressure to, res- to, to be that way, to look like you have it all together because you're a Christian. I had a, a friend, and uh, every time you would ask him, how are you, he always had the same response. He would say, I'm super great, but I'll get better. It used to drive me crazy. I want to say, no, 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 you're not. I mean, if you are, that's fine. If you are super great, but nobody's super great and getting better all the time. That's just not a reality. We go through, as human beings, a range of emotion that includes anger. Sometimes we get angry. And there are, and it's not a sin to be angry. Uh, don't sin in your anger, but it's not a sin to be angry. There, I believe that that can be a very positive thing in our lives if it's channeled appropriately. When you're angry, you, you, it can be a catalyst for change. It can be a catalyst for prayer. If you say, I'm frustrated, I'm angry, but I'm going to take it to God, and I'm going to talk to God about it, it might prompt you to pray at times when you otherwise might not pray, and I think that's a positive and a good thing. It might also be a catalyst for 
positive, constructive conversation, if we're able to go to maybe even the person that we're angry with and say, hey, I'm angry, I'm frustrated, but let's talk it out. I think that can bring healing, it can bring reconciliation, and it can deepen relationship, it can do a lot of things. Anger can even be a catalyst for change and social reformation. I think in the last couple years in our nation and certainly in our city, we've seen a lot of anger that's been worked out is oftentimes in inappropriate ways, but but underneath that all, I, I think there's appropriate things that, if if that anger is expressed positively, can actually bring about reformation and change. And that's my prayer. Not so much that the the protest will stop, but maybe the way it's the way it's expressed stops, and that there is a voice for those who need to be heard and, and can express that anger. So, so again, you know, back to the text. I got off there a little bit, but it's it's not don't be angry, but it's don't sin in your anger. And then he adds the, the caveat, and again, I just the wisdom is, man, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Why do you think he says that? What happens when you um, you bottle up anger and you hold it inside uh, for a long time? It, 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 it festers inside of you, and it, 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 it stirs, and it stirs, and it grows. It becomes bitterness. It becomes unforgiveness and, and uh, destroys relationships. And frankly, it'll eat you alive. It really will. It's, it's very similar to what we said last week about having a hardened heart in that when you, when you leave it, 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 you become bitter, you become estranged from people, and I, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, it, it has to me, you're, you're walking around angry and you can't even remember what you were originally angry about. That's long gone, but, but that, that emotion and that feeling and that stuff is just inside of you and it begins to really uh, tear things down in a bad way. It's not a good way to live. And, um, and and furthermore, I think it's not indicative of a, a new heart and a new mind being in you. Uh, and he and this is the outcome. Look at verse twenty-seven. Don't give the devil a foothold. So that's what happens when you allow that stuff to sit around. The devil is—he's uh, very subtle and he's very sneaky and he's very tricky. And he's like the, uh, yeah, back in the old days, but this doesn't happen anymore, but a couple of you remember back in the day when there was door-to-door salesmen, they'd knock on the door and then they stick their foot in the door. And their foot's in the door, so you can't close the door. So they're, they're, And then they use that as a way to kind of slowly work their way in. And that's what the devil does. He gets his foot in the door. And then he works his way into your life. And you allow that stuff. See, we... we we don't need any help, to be honest. We could, we we can let anger fester and grow into bitterness and unforgiveness all on our own. But the, the devil's happy to to join the party. He, he he loves to fan that flame a little bit. And Paul's admonishment to to us as Christians is: don't do that. Don't let him get his foot in the door because once that happens, it's all downhill from there. Verse twenty-eight. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share 
with those in need. Don't steal. And I think the, uh, the subtext there should be Glenn's books. Don't steal Glenn's books. If you have any of my books, please return them. <laughs> Every once in a while, somebody will come and go, hey, I borrowed these books from you like four years ago. I wanted to return my... No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm not really kidding. <laughs> Don't steal work that you have something to share. So, so again, the, the contrast between the old person and the new person, the old person, we're focused on getting our needs met. And, and, and what that comes from is there's an insecurity in us and a fear in us that we won't have enough. And we're really, in, in, you know, that's ingrained in us. I might not have enough. And so instead of being in a place of really trusting God for our needs, uh, we, 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 we try to hold on to everything and, 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 and scrounge and save and hoard so that we have enough. Um, Paul says something really, I, I think, amazing here. Go to the next slide. Work. Work. Um, you know, again, I, I, I've encountered people who are living by faith. We're just trusting God. And what trusting God means is they're freeloading off their friends. I'm trusting God. I'm, I'm basically taking advantage of the good heart and good nature of my friends. And, and you know, my my my. Car payments due, and I've got an eviction notice. And I haven't worked in six months. And I'm not really looking for a job because I'm trusting God. I'm like, that's not really trusting God. Don't do that. And here's the thing, and I'm not saying this. Life has ups and downs. We all go through times that are difficult, and we need to take a step back, and, and we need to rely on one another. And that's what we're here for. That's the body of Christ is about, right? Uh, when I'm when I'm down and stuff is not working right in my life. I need you to help me and support me. And when you're down and stuff isn't working in your life, I'll help you and support you. But what we're not talking about is sort of taking advantage of that dynamic and living kind of what I would call a lifestyle of laziness. You know, Paul says work. I've done some teaching before on the theology of work. Maybe we'll do something else on that, I don't know, in the fall or something. But uh, there are some good books out there if you're interested in that. Uh, it's, it's a powerful concept all through Scripture, the, the idea of work. Um, to work really is it's a biblical thing to do, and it's a healthy thing to do. What you find is this. Your, your own personal self-worth, uh, your self-value will, will grow, will increase in a very healthy way when you work. And not only that, but your life actually begins to glorify God. And I, 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 it would take more time to really explain how all that happens, but it really will when, when you just put your hand to the plow and you work. Um, I think there's, and I want to say this to some of you, there's too many people, there's 40 hours, 50, 60, 70, I don't know, some of you work too much maybe, you have to, you have to go the other way, you have to back off a little bit, but... Too many people see that time that we spend, it's a, it's, a, it's a large part of our life that we work every week, and we see that as unre, unredeemed time. It's like, my, you know, I, I have my relationship with God, and I pray, and I worship, and I serve, but then I also have to go to work. Um, 
And I, I would say, change your thinking on that a little bit. And don't look at that time as unredeemed. Some of you, there's a few of you who remember uh, many, many, many years ago now, a friend of mine, a guy named Bob Hartley, spent some time with us. Bob is a prophetic guy uh, from Kansas City, and he told me a story I loved. I, I might have shared it with you guys, and you might have, I might have shared it with you before, but Bob spent um, some time, he and his wife spent a, a time in Zimbabwe, in Africa, and they were, uh, they were working on a farm there. So you have to know this, too, about Bob. Bob was a uh, state wrestling champion in college in Missouri. And so just you picture the state wrestling champion in college in Missouri, and you picture Bob Harley. He had muscles on top of his muscles. He, he, he looked like he had been carved out of, out of rock and steel, right? He was just a, just a Superman guy. So he's working on this farm in, uh, in Zimbabwe, and he's working on their, they're shoveling sand into a cart that they have from a big pile of sand, and then they're going to move it to a place where they're using the sand to mix to pour concrete. And he's working with this older guy who's much smaller than him, slender and small, and not, doesn't look nearly as strong as. Mr. Muscle. He's shoveling sand, shoveling sand, shoveling sand, and Bob's noticing that this, this little guy is shoveling a lot more sand a lot faster than he is. Bob's thinking, man, I, I, I cannot allow this. So he's just he's digging in. And, you know, I'm from Missouri, and he's shoveling more sand. And the more he shovels, the more the guy's shoveling. He's going faster and faster. And finally, he hardly can't keep up with him. And he throws the shovel down the ground. He says, how do you do that? And the guy says, I, how, how do I do what? He's not even, he didn't know there was a competition. And Bob goes, how do you shovel like that? How do you keep going? And he says, oh, it's my worship. And I think there's just something powerful in that. Do what you do unto God and allow God to use and to redeem that time that you spent. Give it unto him. I, I mean, again, the guy's worshiping God, shoveling sand. We can do it in, in our jobs. It's amazing. When you do that and you trust God, you work and trust God together, then, then I think there's a blessing that happens in our lives that's pour, that God pours out upon us. And then here's the thing, that blessing that we take in, and this is how the kingdom of God works. This is really the principle of the kingdom of God, is that the more we give, the more we get. And as that blessing is poured into us, then the opportunity we have to give out to others is multiplied. We, we, have, we, we get more so that we can share more. I love this phrase. You might have heard it recently. It, it's probably been around for a while, but it's if you have more than you need, build a bigger table, not a higher fence. Anybody heard that? Build a bigger table, not a higher fence. I want to show. I'm going to brag a little bit. Go ahead, go to the next slide. That is a 20 foot long slab of live edge redwood, and my my son right now that has that in his in his house in his garage. 
and he is turning it into a table. And it'll be a, a patio table that'll be, uh, it'll see 18 people. And he says, I just want to have a big table so all our family and friends can be around it together. And that's his heart. And I think that's the thing we need to do. Just build a bigger table. Build a place where people can come and share and, and be a part of our lives, not separated out from everything else. And, and in order to do that, we really do need to re, uh, renew our minds and rethink so, some, some of the, the so, sort of the, the, the cultural precepts of how we live. Because ingrained in us from the earliest age is this is mine. I earned it. It's my, I, earn, I earned it fair and square. And, and you know that's true because we've all seen it. We've watched it. If you, parents, you've seen this in your kids. They're two or three years old, and their brother or sister or their friend has their toy, and what do they do? They go over and they grab the toy and they yank it away and they say what? It's mine. And you go, where did they learn that? How did they, what, why, what made them do that? Why didn't, why isn't it inherent inside of them to share and, and be, say, bless you with my toy instead of taking away and saying, my, it's just inherent in us. It's part of who we are as, as, as fallen people. And look, it, it, here's the deal. At the end of the day, it's true. You earn stuff, it's yours. You can do what you want with it. You can, you know, you can build a big bank account or build a big table, either one. But I think Jesus gives us a higher calling then. I, I really believe that he's called us to take the resources we have and share with others. And I believe that he wants to give us resources to do that. I know there's, you know, um, different orders, uh, Catholic orders, of, you know, and people that have taken a vow of poverty. I don't necessarily think, I certainly, I know this, God doesn't want us all to take a vow of poverty so you can... Rest easy on that. Uh, not at all. I think it's the opposite. I, I think God's blessed me make money. You know? I mean, I got the brains. You got the looks. Let's make lots of money. You guys don't... <laughs> it's a commercial. It's on every NBA game. I don't, you don't watch basketball. Let's make lots of money. Um, the issue really is how you allocate the resources you have. It's really what you do with them. Go to verse 29. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So the same principle is true of our speech. We can use our words to bless people, to build people up, to encourage people, or to do damage to people and tear people down. In the, uh, all my references are old today. I'm aging myself. In the 70s, uh, there's a, a guy, he's a music producer, I think he's still around today, T-Bone Burnett, but he did a couple albums, he's a Christian, and, and one of those albums, he had a song, and I remember it, because I, I remember it had an impact on me, the song was called Murder Weapon, but it was about your tongue, and how you speak words that, that kill other people, tear them down, so I took that to extremes, uh, I did a, a Bible study with my youth group on the tongue. So I went to the butcher and I bought a cow tongue and I had a big old cow tongue. And I put it in a briefcase. I had a, a Samsonite hard case. 
And I walked in and I set the case down on the table and I said, in my briefcase is the most powerful weapon in the world. They're looking at me. And I go, what's in this briefcase is more powerful than Dirty Harry's 44 Magnum. This can do more damage than Scud missiles. This, this can kill, this, this, what's in this briefcase has killed more people, has wounded and injured and maimed more people than anything else. And now they're like, whoa, what has he got in the case? And so I, I opened it up with the back up so they couldn't see and I pulled the tongue out and I slapped it down the table. <laughs> They were all gross. That was awesome. It was, it was one of the, probably my finest moment. You guys, you miss out on that whole, you know, I, I should do stuff like that. Um, but the point of all that is that we can do a lot of damage with the things we say. Um, the, the word here, this is awesome. I, I, you know, I look up the Greek words all the time and I share them with you and I'm always... I think you get a little more insight, but this is my favorite Greek word so far. So, so the, the unwhole, the word unwholesome, this translates NIV unwholesome, is sapros, which real, literally means rotten or worthless, uh, putrid, overripe, overdone, ripe, and hence corrupt. Sapros is akin to primarily vegetable and animal substances, expressive of poor quality, unfit for use, putrid. It's like rotten meat, rotten vegetables out in the compost bin that are hot and gross and disgusting. It's nasty. Ugh. That's, that's what Paul compares the words we say uh, negatively towards one another with. Earlier in the passage, he was contrasting truth with lies. But here, he's really talking about the tenor of our speech. You don't, and, and so <laughs> you don't have to lie to tear somebody down. Sometimes the, the truth is good enough. Um, and I think sometimes we justify saying things about people because they're true. But do we have to do that? Do we have to say something negative or unproductive just because it's true? Or can, can we choose not to do that and keep that to ourselves? Because here's the thing, the opposite, the flip side of that is, is this, Equally powerful is speaking blessing over one another. I find sometimes I just, I don't do it a lot, but when I'm conscious of it, I try to speak blessing into people's lives, whether it's somebody I know or somebody I don't know. Sometimes just in the grocery store or whatever, you know, I'll say, try to, you know, hey, God, thank you for that. Thanks for being here today. What a, what a blessing, you know. I don't know, just little things. It doesn't cost you a dime and it might make a difference in somebody's life, just the ability to speak words of truth and life into people's hearts. Uh, so so here's, here's your assignment this week is do that, okay? Somewhere, sometime this week, speak truth and life and, and healing and encouragement into somebody somewhere. Um, then verse 30, if, if, if all that's not enough, he says this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Bottom line, underneath all of that stuff, all those behaviors, is the fact that when we when we when we live in that way, this the negative way, we grieve the spirit of God. We break the heart of God when we do those things. So again, you're, if you're a new creation in Christ, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of you. 
we can bring grief to that same spirit by our actions, our attitudes, and our words towards other people. Anything that we say and do that diminishes other people, that breaks people down, that wounds people, that wounds the community, the body, others, those things grieve the Holy Spirit. So slander, gossip, all of that grieves the Holy Spirit. And I think when you think of that, when I think of, you know, you say those things, and you, you kind of just write it off when you realize it's, it's I'm bringing actual grief upon the Spirit of God by doing that. I think it changes your, your perspective a little bit. You go, man, I, that's more serious than maybe I thought <laughs> that I keep credit for. All right, there's two more verses, but we'll just read them and we'll close. Uh, If you guys want to come up, whoever worship team. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. No brawling, okay? Don't brawl. No fighting. Uh... We're going to close with a, a final song of worship. I want you guys to go ahead and stand, and I'm going to invite any ministry team folks, anybody that would like to pray today to go over the side. As we're closing in worship this morning, if you would like prayer today, and again, I encourage you, if, if just sometimes I, you guys are so, uh, I think you feel like, well, you know, I'm just... My problems aren't that big. They're not that bad. Whatever. You know, that's okay. That's why we're here. Just go get prayer. Go over and have somebody pray with you. Whatever is going on. So uh, there's people that will pray with you and do that. Okay? Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Casket Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you next week.